You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Lots of breaks in between these lessons, but we just keep picking up where we left off on you are what you eat. And we've been doing a series uh, throughout the book of Ephesians on you are what you eat and what you dwell on, what you intake into your life. Um, Obviously, we know that in the natural, but also that is the way in the spiritual. It is important what we take into our lives in the spiritual sense, because uh, whatever we feed on. Uh, that's how we're going to grow. And so um, we've been going through uh, the verses of Ephesians. We're picking up in Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, going through uh, some expository teaching, verse by verse. It says, I therefore, uh, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And um, do you know that sometimes... Uh, you know, you hear the statement, God will never ask you to do anything you can't. And I'm sure you've heard that statement, and I'm sure I've said that statement. But sometimes God calls you to do things that you and I cannot do in our own strength. Uh, he called Peter to walk on water. Peter was not a person who could walk on water. Uh, he called Lazarus out of the grave. Lazarus couldn't bring himself out of the grave. So uh, he imparts the ability to us to do things that we can't do on our own. That's why the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So he's, um, Paul's kicking off this chapter, and he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. I'm, I'm giving you good, sound advice that you walk worthy of the vocation that you are called into. And so what does it mean to walk worthy? Well, a walk as though uh, you were already in the place that God has you pursuing. Don't walk according to where you are. Walk according to where God wants to take you. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, uh, the idea of us as Christians is to grow. It's not enough for me to just remain in my walk with God where I am now. God, help me to see where you want me to be. Help me to see how you want me to grow. Help me to see what you want me to become. And let your faith arise. Say, God, I'm just going to trust in you. And I'm going to walk worthy of what you desire for my life. Um. I know as pastor, there's times I meet with people, and I believe in them before they believe in themselves. Had it happened many times. Oh, I could never do that, pastor. Well, I see you being able to. Well, I don't know if I have the ability. I, God will help you do it. And, and I think uh, when we're walking with God, and as Paul's saying here, walking worthy, uh, he's wanting us to see ourselves in the place that God has already taken us to. Amen. And so uh, when he's talking about uh, that idea, say, listen, I'm not everything God wants me to be yet, but I'm on my way. I'm not everything uh, that God's expecting to me, but I'm going to reach it. I'm going to grow to it. I'm going to keep striving until I get to that place with God. And he says to do it with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. When he says with all lowliness, the higher the call, the lower you and I must be. The more gifted you and I are, the more humble you and I must be. And the idea behind that is that we don't accomplish or try to do things in our own strength. Uh, God's wanting us to work uh, through him So that he is glorified. He is praised. He is given all the credit. And so it's it's not about how 
how good you or I are at doing the vocation wherewith we are called, but rather to God, whatever you desire to do, let it be however you're doing that, that you are given all the credit. You're given all the glory. Paul writes to uh, the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verse 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, he said, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in uh, persecutions, in, in, in distresses for Christ's sake. For where I am weak, for when I am weak, he said, then am I strong. What Paul's saying, listen, when I realize that I can't do it without him, uh, there's a loneliness of mind. It's not... Uh, feeling inferior, none of that. It's that he would increase and I would decrease. He would be exalted and I would be abased. His name would be glorified. Amen. And this is, uh, again, you are what you eat. If you uh, approach your walk with God in the sense that, God, whatever you want to do through my life, I want it to be glorifying to you. I want it to be glorifying to you. He goes on to say, endeavoring. To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Um, fulfilling our calling, what he's asked us to do. Uh, it, it cannot be separated from our allegiance or our love or care one to another. This is not um, a lone ranger walk with God. It's about a body. It's about... A church. It's about Christ working through his people. And so uh, unity, unity will always, it will always cost something. And uh, unity will always be a struggle. But Paul says you got to endeavor, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Here's what happens if what we are doing uh, in, in life for, for God, whatever the case is, if we don't do it with that attitude, it will be about us creating uh, some, uh, some recognition for ourselves, a recognition of our own kingdom, uh, a recognition of this is, this is what I've done. And Paul says, listen, you want to go as far as possible from that. You want it to be that the body is working together in unity so that the head, which is Christ, is glorified. That's what he's saying. See, the spirit of unity, unity is, is impossible apart from the moving of the Holy Ghost, his spirit. Um, how the spirit is leading the church, your life, um, uh, it, it will actually be greater uh, than my preferences. If the Spirit is leading my life, it, it won't come down to what pleases me. It will come down to what pleases Him. And the idea behind our walk with God is not what pleases me or what pleases you. The idea about our walk with God is what pleases Him. So that Spirit of unity, that can only come from the moving of his spirit. So God allow your spirit to keep us focused uh, on the on the the vocation wherewith you are calling us to that whatever we're doing that we do word or deed we do it all in the name of Jesus for the glory of God that he would be exalted and he would be praised. And then he goes on in verse uh, 4 5 6 uh, verse 4 uh, he, he's now he's going to go into uh, powerful wording and he uses it multiple times. The word one, there is one body and there is one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. He's talking about one body and one spirit. See, coming, uh, coming into God's presence means that we have to come into each other's presence and the reason for that is there's only one body. 
So it's, it's kind of, it's not like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm secretly going to try to do this on the side without anyone knowing. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> when we're working, walking with God, we're part of one body, part of one church. And so he makes it clear. There's only one body, and, that, and there's only one spirit that has called us. We're not all called to do our own little thing. We're called to, again, let his glory be seen, his presence be seen. So whether, um, whether you like me or not, too bad. We're in it together. You can't, we're, we're not, we, we can't do it separate. We're, we're doing, we're, there's one body and one spirit. You, you don't have a different Holy Ghost than I. We've been filled with the one spirit, the same spirit. You know, there's no little eyes and, and big U's or big, big eyes and little U's. No, no, no. We're all, there's one body. And the body is fitly joined together, the Bible says, and, and it's working. It's working for the glorifying of, of, of him. Uh, he goes on to say, one Lord. One faith, one baptism, emphasizing again, like this is, this, we're not serving different gods. We're, we don't have, we're not following a different faith. We, we haven't had different baptisms. No, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism that we have been baptized into this one body by one spirit. And, and, you know, what's interesting about that, it's not based upon a, a timeline or a length of time. What I mean by that is someone who received the Holy Ghost 40 years ago and someone who received it last week received the same spirit. Someone who got baptized five decades ago and someone who got baptized last month uh, both had their sins washed away the same. We're, see, this, we're in it together. This, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, he said, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Our oneness is a very dynamic oneness. It takes God to keep, put it together and keep it together. We're all going to have different opinions. From time to time, we're all going to clash a little bit. That's just the nature because we're human. But our focus, Paul said, has to be on the big picture. We got God keeping this one body together by one spirit. We've all been baptized uh, into that one body. Listen, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, you've had the same effect no matter when it was. No matter when it was. And, the, and this, that dynamic of, of God holding it all together. Listen, um, the only way you and I are going to get into trouble is separating ourselves from that one body. That's the only... That's, that, I mean... Uh, it, Struggles, trials, temptations, join the club. We're all in that together. But the only way for you to get off kilter and to have your life messed up is to separate yourself from the one body that the one God is over. Keep yourself attached. Keep yourself attached to that that powerful dynamic that God has placed together. And he's above all, it says. Paul says, and through all and in you all. Um, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Uh, grace or graciousness, it's, it's the divine influence that happens upon our heart. Uh, and it's reflected in our life. And so... Um, what, what's so interesting about this process of you are what you eat, uh, it, it's, it's neat to see when Paul says, listen, you, you've, all had, you've all had to experience the same grace. 
And it really doesn't matter how much grace was needed. Grace is sufficient. Paul stated that. So, well, you know, Pastor, I, I was this bad of a person and, and for this length of time. And if, if you've experienced grace, you're into the same body as, as someone who didn't get involved in all of that stuff. And same grace. Same grace. God doesn't have different levels of grace for bad people and good people. No. People who grew up in the church, people who didn't grow up in the church, have to experience the same grace. Calvary works the same. Same salvation is needed. Uh, isn't that a wonderful plan that he's got? You don't, you're not serving him on merit. If you get enough coins, you get to go to the next level. Aren't you glad that that's not the case? That's not the case with God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's a gift of God. Thank the Lord for his graciousness that brings us into this body together, no matter where we've come from and what our backgrounds are. Thank the Lord for his grace. I thank God for his grace tonight. Would you just take a moment thank him for his grace? Oh, God, thank you for your grace tonight, God. Hallelujah. We couldn't do it without your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your graciousness. Yeah, you are what you eat. If you see yourself less than someone else, you're eating the wrong stuff. You're eating from the wrong table. Seriously, you're watching too much trash on YouTube or something. Get your eyes in the book. Realize that it's his grace that got us to where we are. And that's what we should be holding on to. Hallelujah, because we're, we're part of one body that's got one leader, that, that head uh, almighty God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Amen. Oh, okay, I'm going to go on. This is what it says. Wherefore he saith. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Um, he, Paul's kind of going back and saying the Old Testament saints, they were kind of held captive by the grave. Uh, but the New Testament church, um, something's different. Um, and you get to read about What's different in verses 9 and 10. Now he that ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And so what Paul is, what Paul is stating when he talks about this grace is at Calvary when Jesus died. He went to hell himself so that you and I don't have to go. He ascended. He descended. He took care of everything where he became victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he has no desire for you to go. Aren't you thankful for that? So what he's saying is this grace that has affected you all, the reason that it's the same for everybody is because God went for everybody. He died for everybody, and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave for everybody. He didn't leave, well, you know what, so-and-so, they're going to be really bad. I'm just going to leave them. No, no, no. He descended for you and I. He ascended for you and I. The grace that he has given us is for Everybody. And he didn't send anyone. He went himself. He went himself. And Paul writes about it. Then he tells us what he's given to us as a church, as a body, to, to make sure that 
everyone's going to get to hear uh, this good news. This good news that he's taking care of the cost for everybody. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Um, people refer to this as the fivefold ministry or fivefold leadership in the church. Um, we, we a lot of times make it a way more complicated than it needs to be. When he's speaking about an apostle, an apostle um, basically apostle touches all ministries, usually is kind of a person that starts things uh, in the first place. Um, but an apostle has, has, a, has kind of a, a finger on all the ministries that um, God's trying to work into people's lives, through people's lives. The prophet is, is a ministry that gives direction. Gives direction. And, you know, we, we, uh, we get nervous sometimes about these words because of a few idiots. And um, it's kind of like don't throw the baby out with the bath, bath water. Just, just because there's a few that have gone rogue doesn't mean that prophet is still a bad thing. No, people give and, and can give direction, and God has placed that in the church. Every church should have all of these ministries. And the ministry of an evangelist, which reaches uh, to the full extent, the farthest. It, it seems like an evangelist can uh, affect a person's life uh, at a moment where, where they just uh, there's a conviction that happens through the working of an evangelist. And, there's, and you'll see it in services and at times where God is reaching the furthest. And then a pastor, which has a covenant with the local church, and is the shepherd of the church and, and uh, has a love for the people. And a teacher, which always brings balance. Because if you look at those first four, a lot of times, especially the first three, you're going to have uh, dynamic moves of the Spirit of God and, and uh, supernatural things happening. And you always need a teacher that brings balance. You always need to be taught the Word of God. Don't let anyone tell you you don't need church. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. If someone tells you that, get away from them. You need church because you need to be taught the Word of God. I need church. You need church. Uh, and so it's very important because God's placed these people in the church. These are not people outside so you don't need to come to church. He's placed the people in the church. And the reason he's placed the people in the church is uh, because uh, he took care of the cost and everyone should get to experience the grace that makes you part of this one incredible body, amen, uh, that God allows you to flourish uh, in what he's called you to do as, as, as an individual. That, that's that's kind of going backwards to the chapter. Uh, verse Verse 12. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And sometimes people look at this as, well, these are the three things that the fivefold ministry do. This is not a threefold job description of the fivefold ministry. Church leadership has one job, and that is to help mature the saints. Our whole idea of the fivefold ministry is that the congregation would grow. Not just grow in size, grow in maturity. Okay, so um, when, when we're growing in maturity, then, then we can do the other two. The work of the ministry and, uh, and the edifying. If, if, if we're not growing, our work in ministry is going to be problematic. If I'm not maturing in God then I'm not the person you probably should be receiving edification from. So the, the idea behind that, that's not threefold job description of the fivefold ministry. No, it's we're, we're all supposed to be working together to grow in God so that, so that our ministries flourish and that we edify one another. That's the results of our maturity in God. Sometimes that's looked at inappropriately so we're we're to 
build up, grow up. We're to become strong and, uh, and uh, be working together. That's why in verse 13, he says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature saints uh, are unified. Again, maturity allows us to look past our personal preferences and say, uh, we're stronger together. We're stronger together. Which, with each other. With people uh, that's part of this leadership. Part of this five-fold ministry. We're, we're stronger together. And so Paul's, Paul's uh, saying, listen, uh, as we mature in the Lord, we realize how much more we need each other. Do you notice that? The closer you get to God, the more you realize you need your brothers and sisters. The more isolated you become away from what God's doing in your life, the, the more you think you can do it on your own. But I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful that uh, as you and I mature in the Lord, listen, we're going to bind arms together and we're going to allow God to work through our lives together. Yeah. Uh, verse 14 tells us that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Basically what Paul's saying, he's going the opposite side. Immature. Immature believers are unstable. They're actually easily influenced. He uses, he uses the word children. He didn't all of a sudden come to a different topic. He's talking about people who don't mature in God. They're like children, easily influenced, tossed to and fro, carried about by the next new thing. You don't have to get caught up in the next new thing. That's a sign of immaturity. Maturity is, I'm going to stay with, this, with the ship. I'm going to keep myself attached to the family of God. Maturity is, we're going to grow together. <laughs> yeah, that's, he said, listen, you, you only put yourself in a very unstable position. And you can become easily influenced when you... Um, are not trying to work together. Not trying to work together. The enemy loves people getting off by themselves. They become easy prey. Um, this is what he says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him or into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. He's reiterating what has been said before, that there's one body. But he, he makes a very important statement in here, speaking the truth in love. So speaking the truth um, a lot of times takes boldness. Takes boldness. Um, speaking the truth in love takes kindness. You got to have both. Can't just have boldness because... You know, you're, you're, you're killing an ant with a sledgehammer. No, you have to have boldness and kindness. Can't just have kindness and not speak the truth. Well, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so just going to let them go, whatever. No, you got to speak the truth, but you got to do it in love. And the reason, Paul says, is... Um, you know, if you speak that truth in love, then uh, there's, a, there's a growing up in him in all things. Again, realizing the maturity that he's the head, we're the body, Christ is in charge. When he says speak the truth in love, that tells us that we can speak the truth but not in love. And it's very important that we're careful of not doing that. Um, a lot of harm can be done by speaking the truth, but it not being done in love. Yeah. 
From whom the whole body, fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. He uses every, uh, every joint. He uses every part. Uh, basically, his focus here is when, when one part's not working, then it's all not working. It's so interesting how our bodies are made that the simplest of things that happen to you can be the greatest of irritants. Get a blister on your heel. Seems a long ways from the heart. But my goodness, that can be an awful irritant. You ever get a zit up your nose? No, I'm talking about weird things that happen. Ingrown hair. Like you have a, it's, it's weird stuff. Lose a fingernail. Seems so insignificant until it happens. Paper cut. Oh, I mean, people can't even see the problem. But you know it's there. You got all these little insignificant things that seem like they're so little. But the, the, the Bible gives us kind of how that is. It affects everything. You got the blister on your heel. You don't even walk the same. No, you don't. Don't walk at the same speed. You may be compensating to the other leg. You may be stopping and taking your shoe off every so often. Well, he says in this verse that there's times, listen, when there's going to be things that happen even in the body, and the rest of the body needs to feel that something's not right. Compensating. You... you Hit your thumb with the hammer. I mean, instantaneously, you either start sucking your thumb or your other hand grabs it. There's an instantaneous response from other parts of the body to protect what has just happened. We're, we're made so unique. I mean, you hit your thumb, you don't say, oh, you're in the way. You hit it again just to prove a point. No, you don't do that. No, you, you actually grab it to protect it or you, you enclose it. You try to, your voice may even cause tears. All kinds of, the rest of your body is responding. And that's what Paul's saying here. He says every joint, every part suffers when someone is hurt. How many times maybe when people um, feel independent or inter interdependent or that all of a sudden that's what causes them to become isolated because the Christian body should be engulfing, embracing, not highlighting on Facebook some stupid thing someone's done, but rather... An arm around the shoulder saying, you know what, I'm praying with you. I'm, I'm standing with you. I'm holding you up. Okay, I'm going to move on. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The vanity of their mind. The human ego can't function in God's kingdom. Unless it's been tempered by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so there are a continual battle. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. Paul said, i got to die daily. That's, that's bringing my life under submission with God. Saying, God, listen, it's not going to be about me. The vanity of my mind. This, this is much bigger than me. I'm going to let myself be submitted to you. 
I want to be tempered by the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to just walk as, as other people are walking. God, help me. Help me to be what you want me to be in this body. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the, the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Um, you can, uh, we'll read the next verse too. Who being uh, past feeling, having given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So Paul's, Paul's saying, listen, there's, sometimes there's an ignorance. Um, maybe ignorant of the challenges that are happening. He calls it dark. Uh, the things that are happening around people at times, not everyone can see. You've heard the statement, you can't see the forest for the trees, or you hear these types of statements. But the, the wonderful thing about the body, the body is supposed to be there for the warning signs. I don't know where this, this um, got out of whack at times, but sometimes um, when, when the body is there for, for, um, to bring people into a realization that maybe they're in danger, some, sometimes, and maybe it's because the truth is not spoken in love. But if the, if the truth is spoken in love, kindness, then it should be that here, this is to keep you from falling, not to be entrapped. There's a ditch ahead. There, you know, there, this, this, is, this is a pitfall. This is what happened to me so many years ago or whatever, and I don't want it to happen to you. The idea behind the body is we're, we're there to, to protect each other. Lasciviousness, lasciviousness means unrestrained action with no boundaries. With no boundaries. So you know what? I'm just going to let people fall off the edge. No. No, that's why we have... That's why we have restraints. That's why we have uh, uh, guidelines that is to make sure people remain part of the body. No one gets harmed by this world. It's not God's will that anybody learn the hard way. <laughs> no, the body is to protect. Listen, you, you, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Okay, I'm trying to come to a close here. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Notice now that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, Verse 22 and 24 speak about putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. Um, putting off the former, the old, the past. I want that to be directing my life. Putting on the new. I want, I want what God is doing in my life to be what's guiding my life. But notice what's right in the middle um, what's right in the middle of this putting off and putting on is it says renew your mind. That's, that's a change of attitude. It's a change of attitude where the change of attitude might, might need to be. We're in this together. Someone really isn't out to get me. <laughs> Maybe the change of attitude needs to be that I'm, I'm saved with the same grace they are. Maybe the same attitude or the, the attitude change needs to be, you know what, i got the same Holy Ghost that, that the other person has. There needs to be renewed in your mind. If not, it's, it's going to cause a struggle with putting off the past and putting on the new. The enemy, he loves, loves to battle people in their mind. 
Oh, you're never going to make it. They're all going to run ahead of you. You're going to be left behind. That's the, that's the kind of stuff he loves to say. And it's, the, no, no, let your attitude be shifted. I'm part of the body. There's no way I'm going to allow myself to be separated from the body. I belong to the body. <laughs> I'm going to stay attached to the head. I, I'm going to make sure. And so what happens is that's an attitude change. That goes past uh, preferences in church and who's preaching and all, all that stuff. It goes way past it. No, no, no. If you're going to be in the church, I'm going to be in the church. If, if, if I'm going to stay attached. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an attitude shift. And so in this middle of putting off and putting on, he says, listen, we've we got to make sure our attitude is changed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, uh, I got more notes, but I, I don't have that time. Uh, wherefore, putting away. This is what he's telling us now to put off. He's going to, he's going to kind of separate uh, this putting off and putting on. So this is what he's telling us to put off. Put, that wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He's telling us four things that, that we got to put off. They don't belong in the body. Number one is lying. Lying doesn't belong in the body. Okay, it just doesn't. Well, what, what's he trying to say? Be honest in word and spirit. The impressions you and I give. Uh, we, we're not always good all the time. We're not. Things are not always great all the time. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, that was exactly right. So we just need to be honest in word and spirit. The impressions you and I give, put it off. Put that aside. Listen, you know what? Uh, God, I'm going to be part of this body. Let, let it be that, um, you know, there's going to be times when, when um, we need to be embraced in the, in the body. He said, listen, put off the lying part. Number two, put off anger. Uh, deal with your feelings uh, immediately and biblically. Now, this verse is, this verse is uh, sometimes misunderstood, but it says, be angry and sin not. So he's clarifying that there's times when there's anger, but it doesn't necessarily need to be sin. Anger that is that is uncontrolled is sin. When my anger is uncontrolled, it becomes sin. And he says, put off that. There's no room in the body for uncontrolled anger. Immediately and biblically, let feelings be uh, not what you and I are directed by. Well, my feelings got hurt. They hurt my feelings. You have to be careful. Uh, because if you start living by those feelings, um, you may be hurt a lot. <laughs> you may be hurt a lot. Um, and what it does is it creates something in you that um, doesn't come out good. And, and Paul said, listen, it'll produce 
it'll, it'll produce something nasty that you want to put off. Put off. You know, at times we, we think, you know, anger, well, I, someone put a hole in the wall. That's, that's not all what he's talking about. So he's, listen, allowing, allowing uh, this is what the scripture says. A root of bitterness will spring up and many will be defiled. The Bible says the little foxes will spoil the vine. Don't allow, don't allow. Um, he said, put it off. Get it out of your thinking. Uh, thirdly, stealing. Um, oh, I guess I could. Say it in multiple ways. I could say to those who are able, get a job. I could say to those who have it, be generous. Because stealing is more than just taking someone's property. God has placed you and I in the body, and you have blessings for the body. And don't withhold those blessings from other people. Put off. Well, you know what? Um, it didn't just quite go my way, so I'm going to sit for a while. That always makes me nervous. When people want to break. Not because they're wore out. Maybe because something just didn't quite go right. And what happens with that is then it's being withheld. What God has placed in your life as a person. You are withholding. And the Bible uses a very strong word. Stealing. It from the body. Put it off, he says. Listen. Take it, get it out of your thinking. Get it out of your thinking. Okay, verse um, 29 gives us the last one. Corrupt talk, let no corrupt communication. That's not just filthy talk. That also includes negative talk. Don't let negative talk be part of your communication. Well, I just, you know, I just don't agree with what's happening. Get over it. Seriously, get over it. There's always going to be things we don't agree with. Me and Brother Robertson have worked together 13 years. Do you think he always agrees with me? No. Do you think I always agree with him? No. But there's a big picture. There's a big picture. It's not about him or I. It isn't. Miranda, Miranda, she can tell me when she doesn't agree with me. It doesn't change the big picture. We're in this together. Don't allow negative talk. Listen, the corrupt, the filthy stuff, that should just be automatic. I mean, we should know that shouldn't be part of it. The body doesn't need that. But the body doesn't need the negative influence. If it's negative, just withhold the conversation. Put it off. Put it off. Okay. Um, I'm over time. I have to finish. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and all evil speaking be put away with you from all malice. Speak. And then he goes and says, this is what I, um, I want to make sure that you're not allowing the spirit of God that's in your life to be affected. Okay, so he talks about bitterness. That's motiv motivated by unforgiveness. Speaks about wrath. That's motivated by desires for revenge. Anger, motiv motivated by loss of power. Clamor, motivated by discontent. Evil speaking, motivated by jealousy. And malice, motivated by hatred. He goes on to say, 
besides the four things to put off, keep these things away from the Spirit of God. Motivations for unforgiveness, revenge, power, discontent, jealousy, and hatred. No place in the body. No place in the body. You will become what you eat. Okay, stand. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Um, be kind. Don't feel kind. Well, I'm feeling kind of kind today. No, don't feel kind. He says, be kind. Why? As God. As God. Who, who brought you into this vocation in the first place? Um, if, he, if he did it for you, then show it to everybody else. Isn't it a wonderful body? No one... No one is greater than anyone else. There's only one head. I thank God that we can be what we eat. I don't want to get caught up in all that stuff that he wants me to put off. Do you notice, do you notice how he ends, the, he ends the, ver, uh, the chapter with what to put on? Put on kindness. Put on, put on tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what you've done for me. This is what I'm going to show to other people. I'm not going to allow all that other stuff to be part of my thinking. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.